Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. Hello there and welcome into the study today. God bless you. We're glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Genesis chapter 27 verse 14. Now where we left off in our last study, Rebecca has come to Jacob and told him, look, you know, your dad's in the, in the, he's fixing to bless Esau. He thinks he's headed out. He thinks he's in the process of the transition of dying. So he told Esau to run out in the woods and get him a venison. You might remember Esau was a great hunter. He was a man of the world. Uh, I guess you could say the symbolism of that is that we're not supposed to be of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Now, Esau, he cared a lot about material things of this world. And he even went as far as to take himself another step out of the, the blessing that comes with the lineage of Christ, and that is he married outside of that line, which would take him out of the lineage completely. So anyway... Rebecca's taking Jacob, and, and she said, look, run up here and, and get one of, the, one of the goats. I'll slaughter it up. You know, I'll cook it up. I know how your daddy likes his food. Bring it to me, and we'll get you dressed up, and we'll uh, ease on in there and let you get what is supposed to be yours. If you remember, Esau sold Jacob his birthright. And even more than that, God said the elder will serve the younger. So as we pick it up today in verse 14, we ask for understanding and clarity from our Father in Jesus' name. And verse 14 reads, And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, that being the sheep or the goats. And his mother made savory meat, such as, her, such as his father loved. She knew just how to cook for him. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. He's got a... You know, Esau was a, a hunter, and so he he dealt with a bunch of different smells than what Jacob would have dealt with being a farmer. So he, he's got a smell like him. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. Now you remember because Esau's hairy and Jacob's not. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father... And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. So a lot of people right here will say, Well, he, man, he's being tricky. This is, this is, that's wrong. He's being a trickster. Well, it's God's promise. And as I said before, Esau sold this to him. So who's being the trickster? Esau's trying to be the trickster in this deal. Verse 20. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Now Esau's kind of, I mean, Jacob's kind of, excuse me, Isaac's kind of on this thing. I mean, you just left. You already had time to get out there and, and hunt it and slaughter it and cook it. And he said, which is Jacob, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be 
my very son Esau or not. So he knows, he can hear, obviously Isaac knows his children. And so he's going to see if he's smooth or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So he, you can tell he kind of knows something's up. It, it don't sound complete, you know, something's just not adding up here. Verse 23, and he, and he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. Now, some scholars believe this now is that because at that point the, the will of the flesh was done away with. He, yeah, he sounded like Jacob. And he did get this venison really, really quick. So, you know, the flesh is probably telling Isaac, nah, you know, th this is something's fishy going on. But at the same time, the will of God has to come through. It's Jacob's due to get this blessing. It, it was God's prophecy to Rebekah that this was going to happen. So many scholars believe at this point that the spirit is taking over and that flesh is getting out of the way to allow this blessing to come to pass. Verse 27, And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. See, oh, Rebecca's pretty sharp on this stuff. 28, Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. So he just he gave him the blessing there to be fruitful, go forth, and have the greatest of everything, basically, as far as the agriculture and, and everything. Verse 29, Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now that right there, that blessing is the elder shall serve the younger. Jason was J Jacob was just put up to that statute by that blessing that it is Esau's obligation now to serve him. Verse thirty, and it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of the blessing, had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father. He just got out of there that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. Oh, now he's, now he's here, a day late and a dollar short. Verse 31, And he also had made of savory meat, and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. He don't have a clue what has just happened. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son. Thy firstborn Esau. Now, there's something important about this, thy firstborn Esau. He's trying to reclaim this birthright that he sold. And that's where I say the trickery is coming in. At the point of selling your birthright, you're no longer entitled to the firstborn's, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the blessing there. So he's coming in trying to regain this blessing. Verse 33. 
And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. So this trembling very exceedingly, it's, it, it's not out of anger. It's because he knows that Esau has a horrible temper. He's not sure what's going to come of this. Verse 34, And when Esau heard these words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O father. Verse 35, And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. Now, obviously Isaac was kind of left out of the, the loop here. He, it becomes more and more obvious that he didn't know of the deal between Jacob and Esau. And this blessing was truly Jacob's. Verse 36. And one more word on that. And that's why subtlety had to be used. For God's will to come through, it had to be done this way. Or it could have been left to Esau. Okay, verse 36. And he said, It is not rightly named Jacob. Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. Now, and Jacob... The name in Hebrew means the supplanter. He took away my birthright. It's not true. He sold it to him. And behold, now he have taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Now he's on a pretty good pity party here. Maybe he's kind of starting to see that he messed up. Verse 37. And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord and all his brethren have I given to him for servants? And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Now, before we move on to verse 39, I want to go over to Hebrews chapter 12. And the reason for this is because a lot of people believe that the Old Testament, oh, that's just the Old Testament, and stories like this aren't in the New Testament. So as a double witness, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and let's let Paul tell us about this. You might think I'm coming down a little hard on Esau, and, you know, because I know that there are many that talk really bad about Jacob. So Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. And verse 14 reads, Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So keep peace. Do your best to be peaceably with everybody. Verse 16, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited a blessing, if he had done what was right, if he had stayed on the right path and cared about his birthright, if he had cared about God, he would have received this blessing. But as we discussed in the last study, even back to the first eon, the first world age, he could care less. And that's why God would say in Malachi chapter 2, Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated because he knew his character all the way back from, from the time before. Carrying on, he was rejected. 
He didn't do right. All he cared about was what his worldly gain, what he could get done here. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He did everything he could do, crying. Here he is. We just read it. He was crying, and he was begging for this blessing. And at that point, it's out of his hands. It's already been promised to Jacob. Now, returning back to Genesis 27, chapter 27. We're going to pick it up in verse 39. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be, shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. Now, there's a mistranslation in that verse, and you might, you might have picked up, it sounds just like the same blessing that was given to Jacob. The issue here is that there is a preposition in the Hebrew, and instead of saying, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, it should say, from the fatness of the earth, meaning away from, and of the dew of heaven, the of there should be from, or away from, the dew of heaven, from above. Meaning that he, he don't receive the blessing of the fatness. He gets a blessing from another place, and that is why later Esau, who's called Edom, the Edomites, are moved off into the desert. They don't get the fatness of the lamb, uh, of the land. Excuse me. Verse 40. And by the sword thou shalt live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And this did come to pass. In Second Kings chapter 8, verses around 15, 16, uh, through 22, the Jehoram was the king of Israel, or the king of Judah at the time. The, the ten tribes have already splitted. And Jehoram was the king, and the Edomites raised up against him, and still to this day have raised up. They are no longer, they, they set a king over themselves, and they broke the yoke of Israel, or Judah, off of their head. Verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, These days of mourning of my father are at hand. Now he's thinking, you know, Isaac's in the process. He's about to pass. So I'm going to mourn for him for this time. But when that's over, then will I slay my brother Jacob. So you can see why Isaac would have trembled exceedingly here because he don't want to see his sons go. He don't want to see anything happen to his sons. Verse 42. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she went and called Jacob her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, proposing to kill thee. It's making him feel good about how he's, he's thinking about getting his vengeance here, even though there should be no vengeance to be had. But, you know, poor pitiful me. 43. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. Now, here, here we go back to Haran again. And y'all remember, I told you, remember this Laban in the previous lecture. And tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. Now these few days turned into 20 years. Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? Now what does she mean by this? In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, 
God puts forth the capital punishment for murder. It said that if a man sheds another man's blood, then his blood will be required. So she don't want Esau to kill Jacob, and then they have to turn around and dispatch Jacob, uh, dispatch Esau to God for his judgment of murder. Verse 46, And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of, the, of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Now here we come again with a little more subtlety. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do to me? Do me. So what she's saying here, these daughters of Heth, this is the Hittites again. This is outside of the lineage of Christ. These are, these are not idemic people, okay? So if Jacob were also to marry one of these daughters, then that promise would be broken. Not on God's terms. God, the God does not break his promises, but it would be man failing again. And so she's using that as an excuse of, hey, we need to send Jacob away. Because if he marries one of these daughters, then the promise of the great many blessings of that Savior that is to come will be broken right here. We'll have, he'll have to find another line to go through. And this line is a proud line. They want to keep that, that inheritance with them. Verse 28, or chapter 28 and verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy brother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So ease on up there and keep it in the, keep, <laughs> keep it in the same genealogy. Verse 3. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And it would happen. It would come to pass. It would be quite a few years from now, but it would happen. Verse 5. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padan Aram, unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Now again, the Syrian, I know we discussed it before, but for them to say the Syrian, that only means that he lived in the land of Syria. It wasn't, that's not his, that's not where he came from, uh, birth-wise. But that's, he was a resident of this area. Verse 6, When he saw Saul, that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram, to take a wife from thence, and that he was blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob obeyed his father, his mother, and was gone to Padam Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael, and took unto the wives which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. So here, he's trying to get, he, he thinks he's doing what's right. He's trying to get back in this line. He's trying to get under this blessing. But the promise was in Isaac, if you remember. It was not in Ishmael. So he's kind of cutting a corner. Yes, he is getting back in, the, in a seed of Abraham. But the promise was trans. Trans, uh, it, it was given from Abraham to Isaac, transferred. That's what I was looking for. Verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. 
And he lighted upon a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place, and he put them for his pillows, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, my father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, naturally, all the families of the earth are blessed because the Christ child came through this line. But Now, whenever we read this, from the west to the east and north and the south, and his seed's going to be as the dust of the earth. That's millions and millions. Now where, where, would all these, where would all these people be now? You know, they're, the country of Israel that we recognize today, you, you can count them. They're not of the You can't count the dust of the earth, but you can, you can run a census in Israel and be able to count the population there. What this is is that through this promise that he would have this many seeds, that, that all these children would come from him. Yes, Israel was a country, and they did settle in Canaan. And then there were ten tribes that broke loose from the twelve. Now, don't let that confuse you. There were Judah and Benjamin were the southern tribes. And naturally, the king line was in Judah. And Rehoboam was the son of Solomon, and he thought he was just a little mightier. He thought he was, you know, he was king and everybody should bow down to him, and he kind of left God out of the equation. And so the ten northern tribes decided that they would rebel, they would revolt, and they broke away from the two southern tribes. Now, several years go by, several kings go by, uh, lots of idolatry happened, and God allowed them to be taken captive by the Assyrian. And the Assyrian, while they were captive, caused them to migrate north, and then... When they left out of the captivity, they migrated over the Caucasus Mountains and founded what is now Europe. Uh, some of them went around south and came up, went through such as Jeremiah and the daughters of the king at that time, went through Egypt and came up. And one of the daughters' names was Scota and would end up settling in Scotland. And many of the European nations, even over to this country of America, have these, this seed of Israel spread all through them. So that's how you get to this multitude, this great majority, this, this, the dust of the earth number, is that there are still 10 tribes that are not counted in the country of Israel today because they are called the lost tribes. Although following migration patterns, you can pretty well see where they went. So carrying on, verse 15. And behold... I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? There is none but the house of God. There is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose up early in the morning and took a stone 
that he had put for his pillow. And he set up a pillar for a pillar and poured oil upon, uh, on top of it. So he anointed this pillar. And he called the place, and he called the name of that place Bethel, which means house of God. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. So that's just, that's, it was founded and that's what it was called. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and I will keep me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So he's kind of he's making a deal. What he's saying is he, he wants peace. He don't want Esau mad at him. He wants peace. And he trusts God. He knows that if God says it, it's going to happen. It's happened so far. The elders serving the younger, uh, even though he don't know it yet, he's going to. Uh, the younger has received the firstborn's birthright. And all these things are coming to pass just as God would have it to be done. So he sits up this pillar right here. And this pillar is going to be reminded to him, or, or God will bring, bring him into remembrance of this pillar in a couple of chapters whenever he's at Laban's. And God tells him, look, I am the God of Bethel. I'm the God of this place, where that pillar is that you anointed. And this would be some 20 years from this point. He'll say, now, now get out of here. I'm with you. You made a vow to me then that if you come back under peace, then I'll be your God. You got to leave and go back to come under that peace. And so that that's what we're going to be getting into. Uh, we might we might get that in the next study. Uh, again, that would be in chapter thirty-one whenever he does that. So before we get out of here today, we do have a couple of questions. Uh, I want to go ahead and get answered. Uh, the first one is: Where did Cain get his wife? Where did Adam and Eve's sons' wives come from? If Cain married his sister. He committed incest, and wouldn't that produce genetically defective children? Okay. So where did Cain's wife come from? In Genesis chapter 1, we get to verse 27, I believe it is. Let me just check this, make sure I'm not, not lying over here. Verse 27, it's verse 26. It said, God said, let us make man in our image. So this man is in the Hebrew is Adam, and it means mankind. This is not the same as in chapter 2 where he formed Adam, which is Etha Adam. It has the article in front of it, this specific man, Adam. So, yes, there were, at that point, that's when God created all the races, and he looked and they were very good. God loves all the races. And then that's where, why when Cain went to the land of uh, Nod, he found a wife there and a family there, and that's why there was already a land there named Nod, is because there were already inhabitants. Okay, as far as the incest, incest was not a law yet that had not been passed by God, and so, I mean, there were many times of incest. We just covered with Abraham and Sarah. They were half-brother, half-sister, and as I said, that wasn't a law yet, so at that point, you can't break a law that's not a law. Okay, now question number two is 
Where did it go here? If God is so good and loving, why does he allow evil? All right, so God is good. And it kind of falls right into the same question is, or as if God created everything, then that means he created Satan, and Satan's evil. So what does that make God? Well, you know, that's kind of getting a little tempting there. The issue with that is that God created all of us with free will so that we can make our mind up to love him. If you don't have free will, if God just created some people and set them over there and said, okay, hey, you sit here and tell me how much you love me every day. And that's all I want to hear out of you. I don't want to hear nothing else. And he made them to do that. Well, then they're just robots. That's not true love. That's programmed love. And it's not real. So he gave everybody free will, and that's what caused the downfall of Satan. Satan's free will. Satan was great at one time. You can read in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28. Satan is amazing. He was all, not is, was amazing. And his free will allowed him to, to get a substantial amount of pride, enough pride to where he thought that he should rebel against God. And that's through that pride and basically ego is where his evilness came from. It wasn't from God. It was his decision, just as evil people today in the world. You can have people of the same family grow up, have a great household, and, and one of them might be great and the other one might be terrible. That's just, that's just basically human nature. We've got to choose to do right or to do wrong, to love God or to follow Satan, and it's our choice. So, let me see. What was the, was there an end to that question? Why does he allow evil? Because of the free will. All right. God bless everybody. We really appreciate you joining us for these studies, and y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you and God bless you.